And if you take the Word of God with me, please, and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 in the New Testament there, the Gospel according to Mark and chapter 4. It's a privilege to be with you tonight and to look into the Word of God. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Moreland, and uh, we are excited. Uh, we support the renters, and we've been with them the last day or two. And uh, we're so glad to be in England. I've never been here except one time on a layover before. And so it's our first time to see England and to see uh, some of Oxford and uh, even uh, to go by today uh, where Thomas Cranmer and N Nicholas Ridley and, uh, or excuse me, uh, Hugh Latimer. And uh, yeah, Nicholas Ridley, I guess that's right. And I've given that illustration before talking about those martyrs but I'd never been to the place and to see where that took place and these men that stood there and and uh, he hollered play the man master ridley play the man and this day by god's grace a candle be lit in england that by god's grace would never be put out or something that effect and wow to think about these men in the place where they stood for god's word and and uh, died for him it's powerful and to see now again uh, the Word of God going forth and, and what's going on with this church. What a blessing. And I'm glad to see each one of you here. And I hope you can understand my English. I grew up in Canada. You wouldn't know it. My parents were missionaries in Canada. And I was born in Oklahoma City, but grew up there from age four. But I'm like a chameleon in speech. I guess a little bit like Pastor Moreland, I guess. If I lived here very long, I'd start talking like you all. And uh, but uh, anyway, wherever I'm at, that's the way I begin to speak. And so it used to be in Canada and talk a eh, and out and a boot and all that type of thing. But now I don't anymore. And so hopefully you can understand me tonight and we'll get along just fine. Mark chapter four. If you look there now, you're here on a Sunday night. I assume you enjoy and love the word of God. You love the Bible. We're going to read a little bit more than what you normally might would on a Sunday morning or in another service, so you have to make yourself pay attention a little bit. Your mind can wander if you're not careful, but I'm praying God will use His Word in your life. Mark chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 1 here. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land, and he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold. Those are attention words. He's saying, hey, look up here. That's what he's saying. Hearken, behold. There went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air and devoured it up. Now, I've been there in Israel, and I actually preached on the Sea of Galilee, and we were on a boat there. And, and I've, it's like a big bowl. It's heart-shaped. And, and, and I imagine the Lord would give illustration like we do, tell a story to kind of bring everyone back to the truth that's trying to be taught. And I can just imagine and picture in my mind's eye. You have to kind of see it. There was a sower out there sowing. This was something very common they would see all the time. It's like if we started talking tonight about a roundabout. You know how people in the roundabout, and they put their blinker on it, and you guys, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all that. Yeah, we see that. He's given an illustration to help with the truth, to take them from the known to the unknown. And maybe even there on the hillside, there's a sower, and someone's out there sowing their seed like they used to. And so they knew this, so he, they can see what he's talking about. He's going to bring it to spiritual things. 
And it came to pass, he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty, and some a hundred. Am I good good ground for God? That's a great question to ask. Am I, are you good ground for God? And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now they had ears. These people in the crowd had ears. But just because you hear doesn't mean you receive. You can be listening right now, and if you're using a cell phone or a tablet or something to look at the Scripture, all of a sudden something pop up. And if you're not careful, you've missed something. Your mind wanders. We have to, there's, a, there's a responsibility on the hearer. That Jesus, He's giving good seed. The Word of God is the, is the seed. It's Jesus preaching. I'm not talking about me preaching. Jesus preaching. This is good seed. But they still, there's a part on the hearer to receive, to have a desire to hear and to receive God's Word. And so he's calling out, do you desire this? Keep reading. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. I can imagine like you were talking about Brother Moreland with Reuben asking you last night. Tell me a little more about that scripture. The same type of thing here. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they had heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a little time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the lust, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things. The word lust just means wants and desires of other things of this world. Entering, th- entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. You ought to notice that. Unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. You know, your pastor was preaching this morning talking about fruit bearing, talking about do you have any fruit for your life? Do you have any fish? Have you, do, you, do you have any meat for your labor, for your toil? Can I ask you in the church here, if before the service had started I had said, how many are good ground for God? Many of you might have raised your hand saying, I'm good ground for God. But may I ask you, in the church here, are you 30-fold? Is there 30 Christians in the church because of you? 60-fold? 100-fold? Wow. I mean, if there were 30 people in this 
Brother Morgan probably already would have told me about you. He said, I want to tell you, this person right here, there's 30 people here today because of them. Isn't that amazing? We would think, wow, God says that's just the Lord. Then 60-fold or 100-fold. See, the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. The fruit of an apple, apple tree is not an apple. Inside that apple is another tree. And that seed goes to the ground, another tree comes forth. And so, am I good ground for God? See, the characteristic of these other grounds is they were, did you notice the last word of verse 19? Would you say it with me? What is it? Unfruitful. That ground was unfruitful. Without the Lord, it was unfruitful. But the good ground, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Keep reading verse 21, And he said unto them, Again, I ask you that question. Am I good ground for God? And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. Here's this plea again. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear, shall more be given. Oh, this is amazing to think about to me. But there's a necessity here of spiritual ground. Unto you that hear shall more be given. Now, don't do this if this is you, but uh, it could be that someone comes out of a Sunday service and say to a friend or someone else, I didn't get anything out of that message. There was just nothing there. Hopefully not tonight, you know. There was just nothing. And someone else come out of the same service, the same message, the same passage, and say, oh, God spoke to me. God did a work in my life. You say, what happened? What's the difference? Verse 24. Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. You see, there's some responsibility on the ground, on the hearer, on the heart of the person to be a receiver of the Word, to desire, to have an appetite, a hunger for God's Word. Jesus would say in Matthew uh, chapter 5, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, the people who leave a service and think, I'm still empty. I'm going to another church. I'm just not getting fed there. And there's nothing wrong with the seed. The problem lies in the heart. God says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. Think of that. Oh, God, am I good ground for you? Verse 25, For he that hath to him should be given, and he that hath not from him should be taken, even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, he's pivoting here. I'm reading lots of scripture. We hadn't got to the message yet, the text yet. Don't worry, it's not a message on the four grounds. You say, I've heard that before. There's still more in the word of God. Don't worry, but that's not the message. But he's pivoting here. The Lord Jesus is preaching. He's pivoting from the necessity of spiritual growth to the mystery of spiritual growth. I want you to see it here. Right here, verse 26, this pivot. From the necessity of spiritual growth now to the mystery of it. And he said, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. 
and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and uh, should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. <laughs> you see, spiritual growth is divided into two parts. There is our part and there's God's part. There's your part and there's God's part. Again, Jesus is sowing good seed. There's nothing all the seed. This is Jesus here. Our part is the obedience part. Our part is the sowing part, the watering part. Uh, Brother Renner was sharing with me today about uh, one of the young men uh, that, uh, or the, one of the men that are preaching and how he takes hold of the shoulder of people when he's evangelizing and prays over them. And he said there's even one here today that years ago that man did that and he remembered it stuck out in his mind that this man prayed over him. What happened there? There was some sowing that went on. Then someone else come behind and did some watering. But God gives the increase. God's the one that gives the increase. Our part is obedience, sowing and watering, then watching God do the miracle of giving life. What a privilege to be, we get to be a part then of the reaping. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. So the man that did a, the praying on that man years ago, he's not anything. The one now that did some more watering and He's not, it's all about God. God's the one that does the miracle of it. This is the mystery of spiritual growth he's bringing out. Hey, the farmer sows and can do nothing but wait. Water, fertilize, that's what he's saying in verse 27. But just wait. Any of you plant gardens? Maybe not yet, but you're going to plant a garden. You plant a garden, plant something, okay? I planted okra last year. How many know what okra is? All right, okra, it grows in the south especially, and, and our okra got 18 feet high. Now, it's a garden vegetable. We had some in Kentucky, and we cut it off. It'd be about waist high or maybe shoulder high. It got 18 feet high. If you want to see pictures after, I can show you. We had to bend the plant down like this to clip off the okra. It was amazing, and it just kept producing and producing. The seed that we planted was about the size of the end of your pinky. It's just a little pearl. We put it in the ground, and it grew. The base of the one that got the biggest was as big as my leg, like a tree. It's unbelievable. Now, it's not wooden, but it's more wet, but just unbelievable. So how does that happen? I don't know. It's amazing. Put in the ground, water, and God is the giver of life. There's a law that you know, the geneticists can clone and breed, make hybrid plants, but there's no life there. If there's no life there, it's all for nothing. There's actually a law of the genesis, the biogenesis law. Uh, the law of biogenesis states this, there can be no life without antecedent life or before life. Meaning, you go out and collect some pebbles from the parking lot and put them in the ground and put water on them, you think they're going to grow? No. There's, not, there's no life there. They're dead. This rock. But you put that little seed that, and you put it in the ground and to see something like that grow. So how does that happen? I can't tell you. Oh, someone might try to tell you the form, but only God can do that. The farmer comes out. That's what he's saying, verse 27. He watereth, he, he knoweth not how. Ultimately, all life comes from God, and the most zealous believer can no more save a soul than he could create a star or the ocean. Life, especially spiritual life, remains a mystery. What God does in someone. Continue reading, verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn of ear. 
in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put in the sickle because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? With what comparison shall we compare it? And so God is bringing them from the known to the unknown. They don't understand how it grows, but they know their dad taught them, put the seed in the ground, put water, fertilizer, and sure enough, you look after 50 days, 60 days, whatever, all of a sudden the plant and the yield is there. Wow. I mean, they used to plant different sweet corn up in Canada, and so some of the early V would come at 40 some days, and then the, uh, the peaches and cream corn would come at, at, at 60 some days, the super sweet, you know. And, and there's a period of time, and we understand that as someone that farms, but how does it happen? I don't know. I just know that it does, right? The farmer doesn't understand it all, he just knows it does. It works. God gives life. And listen, honestly, a farmer can take what God does for granted. We have gotten so smart in agriculture today. Do you understand that some of the tractors out in the field, there's not even anyone in them. They're motorized. I mean, they're, they're electric controlled. There's not even someone in them. It's amazing. And there's some tractors now that people are in them, but they're not even driving. It's like an airplane, you know. It's all automatic. It's all computerized. It's amazing. We can have all the technology, but still, if God doesn't give growth, nothing's going to happen. The miracle of life is with God. It's a miracle. How does the crop grow and produce? How does it all happen? The farmer doesn't know. He only knows that it does. It's a miracle. Well, let me ask you, how does someone get saved? How does it take place? Well, I only knows, know that it does. As we give the gospel, as we plant the word of God, the seed in someone's heart, as we tell them, God loves you. Oh, what a message we have to share. God loves you. He died for you. You're a sinner. You deserved hell. You deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. I remember I was in that place without Christ, headed on my way to a devil's hell. If I had continued, excuse me, if I had continued that direction, it would have ended up in hell. That's where I was headed. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's talking about eternal life and eternal death. And I was headed to hell without Christ. And somebody planted seed, the Word of God. Begin to water it. But listen, you all have done this. Any of you ever given the gospel to someone? Would you raise your hand? You've ever given the gospel to someone? All right. So you've done what I'm talking about. But you know not every time you give the gospel, someone gets saved. There's our part... And then there's God's part. I can't make it happen. But that day I heard the gospel, February 8th, 1992. The word of God, God did a miracle in my heart. It took up root. My eyes began to be open. I began to understand what God was saying. I'd heard it before. How many got saved the first time you heard the gospel? Not very often. Most people, they hear it multiple times, but finally God began to open my eyes, and yes, the Word of God goes in, and the faith must be mixed with it in the hearer, and I receive Christ as my Savior. You say, how does it happen? I don't understand it all. I just know it works. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, I don't know you. Most of you don't know me. Maybe you don't even care who I am, right? That's fine. But I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter who you are. He says both to the Jew and to the Greek. It doesn't matter where you came from. 
The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Jesus died on the cross for your sin, was buried, and rose again the third day for you. He didn't die because he was a sinner. He had never done anything wrong. He died in your place. For God so loved the world, not this ball of dirt, the people, you, the world, me, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you're saved here today, you know that day that you received Christ, He came in. That day you placed your faith in Him. You trusted Him for your soul's salvation. So many people in our day believe in God. They would give mental assent that there is a God. Like this chair here. Yeah, I believe that's a chair. Here's a chair. But I'm not trusting that chair. Just believing there's a chair doesn't mean I'm trusting in it. But February 8th, 1992, I put my faith and trust in Christ. Not in myself, not in my good works, not in my church membership, not in who my parents were, but in Jesus and what He'd done. And I put my weight on Jesus. Trusted Him. I didn't check this chair before service. I didn't inspect it to make sure it would hold me up. I just trusted it. Well, that's how you have to do it, Jesus. It's a... By faith. We don't understand it all, but by faith we receive Him as our Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I just called out in prayer, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. Your Word says it. But I believe You died on the cross for my sin was buried, rose again the third day. And if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I invited Him to come into my life, and He did. Begin to change me. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Begin to be totally changed from the inside out. Say, how does that happen? I can't, under, I can't explain it all. Some of it has to just be experienced. I just know it does. It does. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. You could be saved tonight. If you don't know Jesus, you're saved. There's people here in this service that would thrill them. Listen, all of us were where you were. All of us were, were where you are tonight if you're lost. I was there. I was lost and undone, headed to hell without God. I had no assurance that Jesus had come to my life. All of us were in that place at some point. And if you tonight would put your faith and trust in Christ, allow Him to do the work of God in your heart, He would save you. Mm, there's people here, men and women alike, that would love to speak to you and share with you more about that. Oh, I wish you'd be saved tonight. Everything growing in a farmer's field is a miracle. The farmer owes it all to God. He might be college trained. He might be an intelligent farmer. He might be an agricultural uh, degreed farmer. But without God, he can produce nothing. And you may think, hey, I know a lot. You may have read the Bible through. I hope you have oh, many times. You may be Bible college trained. Listen, but without God in soul winning, you can produce nothing. You might say, Pastor, I've been saved longer than you've been alive. Without God in your soul winning, as we heard preach this morning, it's vanity. It's futile to try to save anyone. I can't speak to a heart. I can speak to ears, but only God can speak to your heart. But God, with God, 
he can really do something. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, the truth is the law of growth in the spiritual realm was very similar to farming. We sow the seed of the Word, but after that it's up to the Spirit of God. He causes the seed to germinate. Life comes from Him. He superintends over the various growth. He mentioned the blade and then the ear and, and then full corn of the ear. If you've ever had a baby, if you've ever been in a room as a husband, when wife gave birth, what a miracle. How does that happen? It's just unbelievable what God gives life. You hear this baby now. Only God can do that. It's a miracle. We can water with tears and prayer, but we can no more force spiritual growth than we can arrange for a plant to grow. But praise the Lord, we can reap the harvest. We can be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ for playing our little part, both in the sowing and in the mowing. He says, how, verse 27, how does it happen? He knoweth not how. But boy, when the fruits brought forth, verse 29, immediately put in the sickle. Well, he knows how to harvest it and rejoice in the harvest. Praise God for that. Keep reading, verse 31. We're about to get to our text. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth... Remember, God is saying, where aren't you sure we lack in the kingdom of God? He's taking it from the known to the unknown. They were an agricultural society. Lots of farmers around here. We saw all the lamps. They, they, they understand farming. He says, now I'm trying to liken this to the kingdom of God. I'm trying to help you to see. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls there may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them. And I want you to notice, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Verse 33 stirs me. Did you see it? We read it, but maybe you didn't notice it. Verse 33, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. You know, sin has so thoroughly blinded our minds, corrupted our hearts, weakened our wills, that we can only take a little bit at a time. Listen, I, I'm, I watch it when I'm preaching. I see people's eyes glaze over. They only can take in so much of the Word of God. God says here, I want to speak to you. And He would as they were able to hear it. We live in such a society with screens and everything. If there's not some bouncing ball bouncing across the screen, we, can't, we lose focus. We can't take in Jesus would say to the disciples, I have so much I want to tell you, but you're not able to hear it. Paul would say to them in Corinth, listen, it's time. He would say it to multiple churches where you should be teachers. I want to give you the meat, but you're not able. See, there's a part on the hearer to have an appetite and a heart to receive the word. He says he did it as they were able. Can you imagine to have Jesus for three years? Can you imagine if Brother Moreland here moved on and Jesus Christ was your pastor for three years? And could you imagine that you let those three years pass and you didn't soak up everything? Jesus said only could give them what they were able to hear, what they had ears to hear, what they desired to receive. Verse 34 but without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. That, my title tonight is The Lord Still Does That. Verse 34 is my text. And when they were 
alone he expounded all things to his disciples. And the Lord still does that. Will you pray with me? Father, have your way, please, as we preach. Lord, do what only you can do in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The introduction is longer than the message. Stay with me. Number one, first of all, believe that God is still doing this. Listen, there's no amount of money. If someone told you, I can take you to hear Jesus speak, we would pay it. I would love to bend there. Wouldn't you love to bend there in verse 34? And when they were alone, he expounded all things. To, oh, I love to hear that. I love to listen in as Jesus expounded all things. But I want to tell you, the Lord by his spirit is still doing that. If, if, I must say again, if you're willing to get alone with him. Alone means you've got to put this away. Alone, or on, at least on airplane mode. Alone, away, apart, alone. Oh, it's so sweet when the Lord meets with you. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things without which thou knowest not. I used to think as a young person that meant God would show us great works and things like that. And I'm not saying it doesn't mean some of that. But I wonder if some of what that means is call unto me, Lord. Open my eyes to behold wondrous things of thy law. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Listen, I could pull out a gold nugget. He pulled out a compass this morning and pointed it to you and say, I pulled this gold nugget out of an Alaskan mine. And you might look at it and think it's neat. But if you went to that Alaskan mine and you pulled that gold nugget out, <laughs> You'd be jumping up and down. I found a nugget. Right? Come on. Yeah, that's exactly what you'd be doing. I'm telling you, we have a mine that's full of gold nuggets. And God, when you get alone with him, is still expounding all things. Oh, think about it. Believe that God still does that. Can I ask you, when was the last time? You enjoyed that. Are you enjoying that daily? Are you enjoying it weekly? When was the last time? Listen, He will. God, the Lord still does this. He will if, if you'll get alone with Him. Verse 10, He mentions that same thing. It's a double emphasis there. Mark 4, verse 10. And when He was alone... They that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Alone. Listen, you don't rush into the presence of God. Listen, you do not rush into the presence of God. And if you ever get into his presence, you won't want to rush out. I'm telling you, the Lord still does that. The Lord still does that. Remember, the Lord performed countless miracles when he was here, but only about three dozen of them are mentioned in the gospel records. Same with the parables. Lots of things that he preached and shared. And the Bible says in John that the world could not contain the books of all that he said and all that he did. Many times in, in the Word of God I preached through Matthew, it said, and he healed them all. Well, I want to hear every one of those stories, don't you? We don't have them in gospel writ. We don't have it in the, the, the holy writ. It's not in the scriptures there, but he healed them all. Well, I will tell you the same is true here. The Bible says 
that here he explained, he would often explain his teaching at greater length to his disciples privately. And here's one of those times. Look, we don't know what was said. We just know it happened. It happened. And the Lord still does that. Listen, in John chapter 14, you study it for yourself. John chapter 14, 15, 16 there, especially John 14, verse 26, he mentions this. He says, I'm going to go away. And when I go, I'm going to leave someone with you, a comforter. All the disciples said, no, Lord, we don't want you to leave. Yes, when I leave, I'm going to send one just like me, the comforter, and he will abide in you. We'll take our abode in you. He says, he'll be with you. And when he's with you, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. He will speak of the things. He will remind you of the things that I spoke. I can't remember exactly. Look at John 14, 26. Just turn there real quick. The whole chapter you could read, but look at verse 26. You have to hear this. Don't take my word for it. God is still doing this. Verse 26, John 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. All means all, and that's all it means. All things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He said, I'm going to keep doing this, guys. You don't have to worry or wonder when I'm gone. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Can I say the Lord still does that? The Lord still does that. Number two, moving quickly, not only believe God's still doing this, but secondly, base everything on the Word of God. Turn to Luke 24, please. Luke 24, you can leave your place in Mark. This is the last place we'll turn. Luke 24. Base everything on the Word of God. Everything on the inspired, infallible Word of God. Luke 24, verse 13. The Bible says here, here's another time this happened where he expounded all things. Here it is, the second time in the Scriptures. I want you to notice verse 13, and behold, Jesus has died on the cross. He's been buried. He's rose again now. This is the day of the resurrection. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And when they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself, I love that word himself, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were beholden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these? that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad. And one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which are done are come to pass there in these days? You've got to love the humor of the Bible. And he said unto them, What things? <laughs> Can you imagine? This is Jesus. What What things? <laughs> And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. 
Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, verse 25 of Luke 24, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Oh, I'd love to have been there, wouldn't you? How typical of our Lord basing everything on the Word of God. Can you imagine what a Bible survey lesson they got? Through the law and the prophets. Think of the prophecy class that they got right there on the road to man. Think of the typology as he went from truth to truth. There were great truths proclaimed by the prophets. Great types hidden in many of the historical passages. There were Abel's lamb, uh, Noah's ark. Oh, can you imagine Jesus explaining about Abraham's ram caught in a thicket? God will provide Himself a lamb. Oh, the stories of Joseph and Moses and of David. There were the sacrifices, the feasts. Everything pointed to the Lamb, pointed to Jesus that was coming page after page of prophecy. Folks on Christ who would come and the details of His birth and the details of His life and the details of His death and all of these things through all the Scriptures. Verse 27, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. And the Lord still does that. Verse 28, and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. Again, the humor of our Lord. They were going to stop for the, for the evening. And Jesus acted like he was going to go on a little further. You know what he was seeing? Do they have ears to hear? Are you hungry? Do you have a desire? Are you able to hear it? Oh, they said we want more. The Bible says in verse 29, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening. He was just preaching this morning, John chapter 5. He that abideth in me and I in him. Abide with us. Or John 15, excuse me. Abide. We want you with us. For it is toward evening. The day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, he sat at meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he was vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way while he opened to us the scriptures? Can I ask you, how long has it been? How often are you enjoying the Lord expounding to you all things? opening His Word to you. Open our eyes, Lord, to behold wondrous things out of Thy law. Did not our hearts, you hear their voices, did not our hearts burn within us? 
This wasn't a sleepy devotions time. No, no. Our heart burned within us while He talked to us by the way and while He opened to us the Scripture. They didn't want to see Him go. They had been blessed with the greatest Old Testament survey class you could imagine. They wanted more. They were hungry. They wanted more. And hey, you can be blessed by that too. You can every day say, I can't wait till the morning. I can't wait to get up and be with the Lord and let Him show me more. I can't wait to spend my time with Him. We had this recent Spurgeon quote in our prayer bulletin. You ever hear of Charles Spurgeon? He's from around here, right? Years ago. This was his quote. You will observe. Oh, get this. You will observe that the desire to commune with God is intensified by the failure of all other sources of consolation. If you've lived very long, you've found that nothing satisfies. You read John chapter 4, the woman at the well here she is coming to draw water again at noon because she didn't want to be around everybody because she's an outcast. She's a woman of sin. She's been married to five husbands, each time diving deep and drawing from this well that couldn't satisfy. And now she's married, or not married, but living with a man that's not her husband. And time and again, she's dove in and tried to get something from this world and is not satisfied. And Jesus said, if you want to be satisfied, if you'd ask the water that I can give you, living water. Listen, you might be here today and you may have gone after money. You read of Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes. He went after women. He went after wealth. He went after wine. He went after wisdom. In everything, every time, he said, of these things of this world, it was empty. It was empty. Listen, you can have the degrees from the university in Oxford. You can have all the degrees you want. You can have all the pleasures you want, all the wealth you want. And you'll find out it's empty. I'm not satisfied. There's still something missing. I'm telling you, it's Jesus that is missing. And Jesus is the one missing. Let me give you that quote again from Spurgeon. I love this. You will observe that the desire to commune with God is intensified by the failure of all other sources of consolation, He is the only one that satisfies. Listen, get a new raise at work, more money, it won't be enough. Hey, get that boat you've been wanting. Get that cottage. Have that vacation. It won't satisfy. It won't be enough. Listen, as a Christian, we could fall into this same trap. You live a little while and realize nothing but Him satisfies. I'll tell you, with compelling force, they said, stay with us. They begged Him. They constrained Him. Please abide with us. And then as He sat at meat with them, He took the bread. Can you imagine this? And He blessed it. That's what the Bible says. He took the bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And suddenly they knew it. They knew who He was. They knew they had seen Him do it before. I don't know when it was. I don't know if it's when He had fed the multitudes. Maybe they were there at the feet of the 5,000. And they remembered how He blessed it and break it. And maybe they had been there in the upper room. There were others around. And maybe they had been there and, and seen Him bless it and break it. Or maybe 
as he broke the bread, they got a glimpse of the nail-pierced hand of the Lord Jesus. I don't know what it was, but as quick as a flash, they knew it was him. And the Bible says, just that moment, he was gone, disappeared out of their sight. Verse 32 and they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked to us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures. And boom, they headed back to Jerusalem. Verse 33, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. It's 6.8 miles. Remember, they said to Jesus, Come on in. Please stay with us. It's late. The, the day's far spent. You've got to stay. But now... Now they know it's Jesus. This immediately they get up. We couldn't sleep now. Jesus is alive. We've seen him. Can you imagine? There's no way we're going to sleep. And they book it. I made, I'm sure they made that journey back way, way quicker than they came. They, they were dragging. Jesus could see it. Remember when he came up? Why is it you're so sad? They're just walking slow. All their dreams had gone. All their hopes were gone. But now he's alive. He's alive. And they hurry back to Jerusalem to tell. And notice it, verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. There it is there again. Them that were with them. See, there's others around saying the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. I guess in the meantime, he's appeared to Simon Peter. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Oh, think about it. And this leads us to the third time that we'll look tonight and we'll find the Lord Jesus expounded the Scriptures. He opened their understanding further. Look at it. Saying, the Lord is risen. Verse 36, And as they thus spake, Jesus Himself. Don't you love that word, Himself? Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be unto you. They were terrified and affrighted and supposed they had seen the Spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit of my flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and shock and wondered, he said to them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of the prophets, the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Notice verse 45. Mark it. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Listen, these were the most spiritual people on the planet at this time. These were the twelve. These were the ones that were faithful to Jesus. They were the ones that had followed Him and heard Him teach and preach, and yet they were still in need of God to open their understanding that they would understand the Scriptures. And I just want to say again tonight, the Lord still does that. The Lord still does that. Oh, I love this having confidence in the Word of God, base everything on the Word of God. This is amazing to me. Jesus reinforces His teaching in the upper room. These are the words which I spake unto you, verse 44. He points them back to the Bible. Now look, Jesus has risen from the dead. I'm afraid to come off the platform with screams. The mic. Jesus has risen from the dead. He could say, it's me. I'm God. I'm alive. Let me tell you something. 
But God's confidence in this book, do you understand? He doesn't say, let me, hey, let me have your attention. Let me say something. I'm God. He could have. He's God. But his confidence in the Word of God and the sufficiency of the Word of God. Listen, we don't need some church, some new preacher, some new church saying, we've seen some new vision. We have some new Word. Jesus said, this book has it all. That's amazing to me. Think about that. If Jesus Christ walked in, whatever he wants to say, he's God. But he says, let me show you from his word. Isn't that amazing? That blows my mind. The Bible says in verse 44, and he said to them, these are the words. Remember Jesus would say in Matthew 4, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And I must point this out because people want to attack the word of God in our day. Jesus had the utmost confidence in the Bible. He had the utmost confidence in the Bible. And by the way, right here, he gives the threefold division of the Old Testament. And he confirms that he believed it. And the power of the Bible and the authority and the reliability of the Scriptures and the accuracy of the Scriptures. He says the Law of Moses, that's the first five books of the, the Bible there. And then the Prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He, he covers the whole gamut there. The whole Jewish Bible, he's saying, spoke of me. He endorsed each and every part of it. And then in verse 45, he gives them spiritual enlightenment. He illuminates their minds. How many of you have ever been reading a verse of the Bible and all of a sudden, God just opened it up to you? And you thought, I've read that before. I've read that a hundred times. How many of you ever had that happen? Yeah. Sometimes it's our immaturity. Sometimes the stage of life that we're in. Other times I'm afraid we didn't have ears to hear. I don't know if you're like me, but there's many times, in fact, pretty often, when I'm reading the Bible and all of a sudden, what have I been reading? I've turned a page, but I don't have a clue what I read. Come on, we're in church. You can be honest. You ever happened to you? Sure. What happened? Well, I just realized I got to pay the light bill. <laughs> I got to pay, pay the power bill. I got all of a sudden coming to my mind, and then I thought, well, who need to talk to? And, and Lord, help me. Lord, I'm meeting with you. Open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, give me ears to hear. Help me hunger and thirst after righteousness. And that leads to my third point. This brought forth out of the most, this most wonderful experience, brought forth out of this most wonderful experience is witnessing. Don't you see this? Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Notice verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Ye are witnesses of these things. We have a man in our church. His name is Stavros. A few years ago, he was not even saved. Two or three years ago. And then he got saved, and his whole background is the exact opposite. 
begin to grow, begin to study. I'm telling you, God's using him to lead people to Christ like crazy in our church. He began to dig in the Word of God in the Sunday school lesson. He began to come up after Brother Warren and ask me, what does this mean? What does this say? Why is this? And boy, God began to do a work. And what grew out of that is he carries his New Testament's pocket to work every day. He works for a company that, works, that, that makes parts for Mercedes. He's leading people to Christ there, leading people to Christ at the gas station. It's unbelievable. I'm so proud of him, grateful to God for him. Say, so how did that happen? The Word of God, when we begin to understand the Scriptures, he says, and ye are witnesses of these things. When we began to follow the Lord, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Pastor Morton touched on that this morning. Hey, you cannot get alone with God like a monk somewhere. If you were truly studying the Bible, you'd have to come off the mountain, come out of the monastery, and tell somebody about Jesus who loves them and died for them. You can't stay there. Why? Because that's Jesus' heart. He said, follow me. That's my part. Follow me. That's your part. That's our part. What's his part? I will make you fishers of men. Let me ask you, does God do his part? Absolutely. So if there's ever a time in my life I'm not fishing for men, who's the one that fault? I'm not doing my part. See, there's a part on the hearer. There's a part on us that we must do. God does the miracle. God is the one that gives the increase. I just plant the Word of God, and I water it a little bit, and I have the privilege of reaping, but He's the one that does it all. But I'll not do it if I'm not following Him. Follow me, He said. First words to Peter. You mentioned the first and the last of His ministry. The last words in John 21. Twice He says, Follow me. Then follow thou me. Because he knew if you'd follow him, he'd make you the fisher of men. Can I ask you again, are you good ground for God? You bring him forth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Wow. The Word of God and the Lord opening our minds to Scripture and His Spirit meeting with us and teaching us leads to witnessing. Notice verse 49, the last verse we'll read. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Hey, the Lord was planning on working with them. Us sowing, us reaping, him the miracle of life. We planting the Word of God and watering. He doing the miracle. He doing the miracle. We reaping. In fact, if you're not saved here tonight, the Lord by His Spirit is doing that in your heart right now. He is working to draw you to Himself with cords of love. He loves you. The Bible says He lighteth every man that cometh in the world. And in your heart, you may, you may in so many ways disagree with me. You may say, I'm so diametrically opposed to everything you've said, preacher. But in your heart, the Spirit of God that made you is saying, it's true. It's right. He lighteth every man that comes to the world. The Bible tells us twice in Romans there, and another time the Bible says that He's written things in our heart. Our conscience there's something that we know 
We don't understand why we know it. There's atheists that have turned to God because they knew something's right and something's wrong. We have a cat. I live with four girls, my wife and three daughters, and we have a female cat. <laughs> that cat loves these little chipmunks. Outside, she wants to chase those little ground squirrels, little ones, little chipmunks. And she has no remorse as she tortures that chipmunk to death. She doesn't feel bad about it. She doesn't feel sorry. The tail's over here. Half the body's over there. Before she ever kills it, that thing is so, just barely moving. As soon as it starts to move just a little bit, she pounces it again, rolls the thing. Watch the lions on the National Geographic. Watch them tear a gazelle apart, a little baby one. They don't feel bad. No remorse. See, one of the things that ought to help us understand there is a God is we know killing someone's wrong. We know it's wrong. We know we see someone trying to harm someone on, on the tube, uh, on a subway. You think, that's wrong. Why? If we're all just animals, what's the difference? But God wrote things in our heart we know. See, that's God. God is reaching to you tonight. If you're lost, He's saying, come to me. No one ever loved you like I love you. Come to Christ. Be saved tonight. He's drawing you. He's doing the work that I cannot do in the Spirit. I can speak to ears, but only He can speak to hearts and move by His Spirit in you. We're praying that God would draw you to, to Himself. If you're saved tonight, the Holy Spirit is going to open doors and open hearts to the gospel. He's still doing that today. He'll do it in your life. When you spend time alone with Him, He's the one that will make you shine like Moses who had to put a veil over his face because you could just see God all over his life and people will begin, God will begin to give you favor. People will say that Joseph, the Lord is with him. And he has an excellent spirit and God is with him like Potiphar saw and the jailer saw. And friend, the Lord wants to meet with you every day. Can you imagine the Creator of heaven and earth, the risen Lord of glory wants to meet with me, wants to meet with you, and we're too busy. The Lord's still doing this. Mark 4, 34, but without a parable speaking not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. When they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. He wants to meet with you. And by His Spirit still does that, John 14, 26, if, if, if you'll get alone with Him. Oh, it's so sweet to meet with the Lord. Are you enjoying that? When's the last time you've enjoyed that sweet meeting with the Lord and Him teaching you from His Word? Would you bow your head in prayer with me? The Lord still does that. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask Pastor Moreland to come in just a minute. But maybe God is speaking to you. And you say, Pastor, I know. I desire to meet with the Lord like that. I want Him to teach me. Friend, if that's you, would you tell the Lord that? Lord, you be my helper. I want to begin to meet with you like that. Maybe God's speaking to you. But you want to learn from the Lord and let Him use you then to bear fruit and sow and reap with Him. I want to be His witness. 
I need to follow him so he can make me that fisher of men. And that's your heart tonight. God's speaking about that. Listen, would you pray right now and talk to him? Maybe you're here tonight and you're lost. If you died, you don't know you'd be in heaven. You may not even be able to fully explain, but you feel in your heart of hearts some tug, some pull. Friend, that's the Holy Spirit of God. He loves you. Jesus loves you. He died for you in your place for your sin. He took your hell, your death, your grave. If you'd come to him tonight, he'd save you. Whatever God's speaking to you, maybe you've been saved recently, but you haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism. We're going to be baptizing here in a couple weeks. Maybe that's your decision. God's dealing with you about following him in that. Whatever it is, Listen, friend, you don't rush into the presence of God. If you ever get there, you won't want to rush out. The Lord is still doing that. Pastor Moreland, would you come and lead us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word and the promises that we read within it. We pray, Lord, that thy spirit would apply what we've heard tonight exactly to the places that we need them to be applied. We do pray for a deeper longing and hunger to be alone with Christ. Help us to believe, Lord, that thou art still, still expounding by thy spirit unto thy followers, unto the disciples, the truths of thy word. And we pray, Lord, that we would grow restless with the things of this world until we know what it is to have our own understanding opened by thee. Help us, we pray. We thank you for this challenge tonight. We thank you for the way thou hast spoken. And we pray that that seed that has just been delivered would fall on good ground tonight and that it would bring forth fruit, that we wouldn't simply nod our head in agreement, but something may change, we pray. Seal these thoughts in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.